0: Philman and Hooley we tackle life podcast.
1: Then a quarterback that hey, don't lose the game, Jimmy. And the make thing that good throws sticks out to me is
0: when these teams come out and they TV people do the you know the self introductions, the players introduce themselves. How they just come from everywhere. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, Eastern Illinois, and here's Southern Miss, and here's you know yeah. North Dakota State, and you know you'd think oh it's going to be Alabama, Auburn, Ohio State, Michigan. Blah, blah. No. That's the art of GMing. (laughs) You pick these guys from everywhere and they fit. Okay. The Uh, art of GMing, my friend. We uh, now move from the uh, head coaching phase of the uh, Cleveland Browns rebirth to the GM phase of the Cleveland Browns rebirth. Among the topics we talk about today here on a Wednesday edition of the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Good morning. I am Bruce Hooley. Uh, Chris Spielman is here uh, making his way through the fog. Ah, it's an adventure it's coming two, out here. a uh, Two-hour school delay out here in the hinterlands <laughs> because of the uh, foggy conditions. Yes. But your trusty Ford F one fifty made it all the way out. It did. You go mm. dim lights, don't go bright lights in the fog. You know. Right?
1: Well, they automatically popped on. I had to kick them off, and I missed mm. about two turns. I only had to turn around once because you can <laughs> The roads pop right up on you. There's no lighting. <laughs> I told you no to be nothing. Be careful. There's nothing out of here. Nothing. Well, you're early
0: today. You're. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready, I'm ready to, go. to
1: go. I'm excited about the uh, the Browns. What uh, What are we What are we going
0: well? with on the concoction here today? That's not coffee, which is your normal go-to. Yeah. It's tea. not your newest. It's not a Diet Right, which came <laughs> from the uh, Maslin Burger Chef. Iced tea,
1: you say? Yeah, I know. I don't know where that came not from. laced with any... Uh, no, nothing. No protein. ...Bulgarian uh, protein supplements no, or anything? nothing, which is uh, something I'm going to get into in the face segment of this uh, excellent. podcast. Excellent, so. excellent.
0: Well, uh, Kevin Stefanski, you look like you're growing out your Kevin Stefanski yeah, beard. You're all in the
1: Kevin Stefanski bandwagon. Um, I'm not on, on the bandwagon. I'm on to give the guy the chance to succeed. Without either praising him or bearing him, he is what he is. He's a first-time head coach that has a chance uh, to do something great. Not only that, we heard from the mysterious Paul DiBetesta yesterday. Yes, we
0: did. The man behind the curtain, Wizard of Oz. uh, What
1: his actual role is. I read the whole article, and I still don't know what his role is. But do you? Can you explain it to me?
0: Um. Here's the best. Thing I want I got. that
1: job. Whatever it is. Yeah, two guys in the basement.
0: That's <laughs> what we want. Yeah. We want to be consultant. My, that's my goal in life. If I can, somebody can pay me for being a consultant. Right. Do this. Okay. So here's the best I got. Yesterday, I was listening to Dustin Fox and Adam the Bull mm-hmm. uh, on the fa- on uh, ninety two three the Fan in Cleveland, and they had a cut from Paul D Podesta, Chief Strategy Officer for the Cleveland Browns. That's his title. All right. Um. Uh, and he said that, first of all, he said three years ago he knew nothing about the NFL. Okay, so you can look at that like, what? And now this guy's in charge He's of everything? Role? Yeah. Or a lot of people, I, I don't mind when people admit what they don't know. I, I think humility is a good thing. Sure. So what he said was, in football Successful franchises have a have a, their way of doing things—a Steeler way, a Patriot way. In baseball, there's the Dodger way, or the Astros have their way, which you mm-hmm. know, well, it's not exactly legal, but they have their way. Okay. It's successful. Yes, <laughs> it's successful. He said his job going forward, as they align Kevin Stefanski with a GM, and you know, on and on and on, right, is to make sure that all the decisions the Browns make line up with however they define the Browns way. Now, Dustin was like, holy smokes, does that mean we're getting ready to pick a guy? And Paul D. Podesta goes, no, he doesn't. And I didn't hear all of Dustin's comments, but that was a concern that he had. I actually don't hate that because I texted Dustin and I said, you know, best case scenario, best case scenario, this could keep them... From acquiring knuckleheads like Josh Gordon, Antonio Calloway, Johnny Manziel, where you you got a GM over here who's tempted by the talent, but you have somebody who goes, wait a second, this guy was a two-time drug problem in college. That does not line up with who we are. If we have a guy who's close on talent, and it does have to be close on talent, he doesn't fit our intangibles, so he doesn't fit our way. I don't think that's horrible, given some of the mistakes. So he has veto power? I don't know if he has veto power. That They're never going to tell us who has veto power. They're never going to tell us. Well, like yesterday, really... Stefanski said, ah, oh, it's ridiculous. I'm not giving my game plan to the analytics department. Ha, 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 ha. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, that, look, the whole report that, again, Dustin came out with that uh, candidates were asked, will they submit game plans to the analytics department? I have not talked to Dustin, first of all, and I am... Sorry if I'm wrong, so I'm going to do one of your favorite media reports,
1: if yeah. true. If, if in fact, true.
0: <laughs> Here's my educated guess because of the way Steve Dorshuk was reporting all that mm-hmm. and the way Dustin verified it. Josh McDaniels is from that area. I think Josh McDaniels had a strong interest in the job. When he didn't get the job, I think Josh picked people in the – Dorshick is from Canton, so yeah. and Josh is from Canton, people and he's that had he, a
1: relationship with his father and, and sure. Tom and, and Josh McMahon. for a long time.
0: People that either Josh is going to confide in or Josh's people are going to confide mm-hmm. in, and they're going to put Josh's side out there. Now, it is possible, I suppose, I was thinking about this this morning, it's possible that they might have asked some candidates to do stuff they didn't ask other candidates to do.
1: Maybe. Very possible. So. I, I'm taking like I said I don't have a problem this is you know there here's a one sheet um plan that we have yeah. for beating the 49ers or for beating the Bengals or the Steelers or the Ravens this is what we want to do but as you know games dictate certain situations and um
0: the other team's got a game plan too well, maybe they take it away and
1: you got to adjust so I talked to a colleague of mine. And we had a conversation about analytics yesterday. Okay. And we're both on the same page. A colleague in T V of mine. Just be a
0: can I guess the colleague? You don't have to tell me. I'm just gonna guess. Yeah. Because I want to see your body language, see if I get it. Charles Davis? Yeah.
1: Okay. Well Charles is a trusted yes. friend and, a and smart guy. he's a really cool. smart guy and a guy that we bounce ideas off of each other. He just texted me as a matter of fact. He <laughs> just says you said that. Um but Charles and i were talking about analytics and this is what we came up with that as i was right because i asked him because i only went off of my experience about what my experience with teams and nfl analytics Mm -hmm. every team has an analytics department every team has access to analytics of course it's up to the coach from my understanding how much of that is implemented Now, we have a lot of the younger guys that will implement it into the game Mm -hmm. as opposed to a lot of the older guys that might not use it as much. And as Kevin Stefanski said in his press conference, it is a tool in a a, a big toolbox. There's lots of tools in a toolbox. So I think that was overblown a little bit. I also think the game plan thing was overblown a little bit. I know teams and some owners – and you know the Cowboys are one of these owners. You know how they have year-end of meetings where they'll sit down and talk with each coach and each player. The owners sit in on those meetings, and it's up to the individual owner whether they want to do it. And there's no right way or wrong way to do it. So I got a, I, I, I talked to Rick and and I said, well, tell me more about Kevin Stefanski. Rick is Rick Spielman, yeah. general manager Minnesota. So, and American. I thought folks, I said Rick, folks in Cleveland here want to know about Kevin Stefanski. And what he brings to the table, and here's what I got. Okay, he's a quiet guy. He's not a yeller, mm-hmm. and a screamer. He's a really smart guy, mm-hmm. you know. And really smart people usually listen to a lot of people, then they make their decisions based off. That's been my experience. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm a. Uh, I don't think I'm an idiot. I'm not a genius. One thing I've learned. Over the years, when I was uh, younger, I didn't do this. Now that I got older and later in my career, I started listening to people. I've talked to you about my experience in television, where I started listening to people that know a lot more about television than I do and how I've adapted and changed. Kevin's a really smart guy. He wants to run the ball. Uh, He believes in what they were doing uh, in Minnesota, He is a team guy through and through. For example, he has zero ego. You know how the Vikings brought in Gary Kubiak and Rick Dennison? Super Bowl winning coach, Denver Broncos Gary Kubiak. To change the offense. And And Kevin was the offensive coordinator, but they wanted to go with this type of philosophy. You know who was leading the charge on that? i would going to guess from the tenor of your comments it was Kevin Stefanski. Ste- Kevin Stefanski was leading. And that says a lot about me.
0: Yeah, so it, it says
1: that he's not afraid to hire good Talented people, people around him yes. and doesn't and views them as an asset where some coaches on the paranoid side would view those people as a threat. Does yes. that make sense yes, to you? Yes, because
0: I one of the things I've said about Urban Meyer, why he's a great coach, is he goes out and he hires he's great coaches who've been elsewhere, and he's not – was never shy about having somebody in a meeting say, wait a minute, here's how we did it at Oklahoma. Here's how we did it at, at you know USC. Here's how we did it. Urban goes on, he hires guys who've been accomplished coaches. Now, you know, there are other guys. Jim Tressel had a different approach, and this does not mean that Jim Tressel did it wrong. Some coaches have a philosophy. I have my way, so most of my coaches are right. going to come through my tree at Youngstown State, but I prefer... Right. The urban method. I prefer getting the best information from the best people, and that's an encouraging thing about Stefanski. By the way, you hit it exactly. You predicted how he'd be uh, smart, flatline. Yep. Um, he's all that. He's thoughtful. I don't think he. I don't think he won the press conference like with a grand slam home run, no. but I think he didn't lose it. I think people are like, okay, this. Sometimes smart people when they talk to you, even if you're not crazy about. They're hiring. You're a bit backed up by okay. I I got to give yeah. this guy a chance. Well, I don't think uh, that's where he is. I think people in Cleveland are like, I'm going to give this guy a chance.
1: Remember now, he's been in the league a long time. Don't let his the age. The oddity of him you. is yeah. the
0: oddities. Thirty-seven. I I can't have fathom how many NFL assistant coaches have been in one place fourteen years. Yeah. Well, that's that's rare for a young guy. Young guys like you look at Robert Sala, San Francisco. He's here. He's there. He's in Seattle. He's there. He's there. Right. They're moving. They're always. They're climbing. They're looking for that best job. Right. Stefanski being in Minnesota, fourteen years. That's really rare well, in a
1: thirty-seven-year-old coach. You can look at it a couple ways, uh, but he's he's progressed in the four. He didn't stay in the same right. position. Yeah, he
0: was like assistant so,
1: to the head coach,
0: like just a basic gopher. Yeah. when he got there.
1: So how I look at, and his dad, by the way, was uh, I think a GM in the NBA. Yes. Um, I look at it like this. So anytime a coach gets fired, new coach comes in, he usually gives a courtesy of interviewing the coaches that were already there. Now, you know, you might have one or two guys survive, right, because usually a head coach is going to bring yeah. in He's their, doing that with Steve
0: Wilkes. He's interviewing yeah. Steve Wilkes and for defensive guy's coordinate. Yeah,
1: and, and so Kevin was able to last through those interviews and those coaching interviews Changes, but not staying stagnant, but actually rising with each coach that he worked under. So that's good news. Here's the only question that everybody has, and this would be the question not only for Kevin Stefanski because of his personality because we don't know what he's like at practice or behind the scenes. No idea. Uh, I I have an idea, but I don't know how he's going to handle the egos of the big three, as I like to call them. Yeah. And I say the big three not in a derogatory way, but in a positive way because they're great players and one one potentially can be great. And I, I believe and I agree with Kevin Stefanski about Baker Mayfield. You know where I stand on Baker's talent level. Can he handle those egos? And when somebody's not getting the ball or they start doing their own thing or start putting team above everything else or putting themselves above team, which has been the case, then how is he going to handle that? That's the biggest question mark, and the only question mark that I have for Kevin Stefanski. I just team. thought of something.
0: Go ahead. Um, Baker Mayfield, you and I both agree, has to humble himself and agree to be coached and coached hard. He's got to listen. He's got to hear things he's not but, been willing okay, to hear. Okay, I just
1: past. want to. I want. I don't want to interrupt, but I just no, want to uh, just define coaching hard. Coaching hard doesn't mean yelling. No, no, And screaming, but, no. hey, you know, this is – You do is, it this way. Yeah. Trust me, you can be better if yeah. you do it this way. The, he's got to be – I've always done it this way. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's his, his – I mean, his instinct, because yeah. he's been the quote-unquote underdog his uh, whole life. But he's shoulder, it's, it's, walk on, and Yeah, we know. it doesn't work for that position. No. It does not work for that position. In fact, I was just uh, listening to a quarterback um, – I don't know if it was a retired quarterback or a current quarterback, and he said what I've been preaching for such a long time because I, I played with a lot of quarterbacks in my day, and the ones that played the best never made emotional decisions. They were flatliners.
0: Yeah, you and I have said yeah, they, they stop flat punching liners. down, don't waste time on things that don't have anything yeah. to do with winning. Okay, so here's – I'm just – this is my mind, how okay. it works. I'm thinking, all right, Kevin Stefanski is an even-keeled – guy, but can you can be intense and be even-keeled. What would you think of the idea? Uh, I was thinking, how can Kevin Stefanski communicate to Baker Mayfield? Uh, I have the hammer, son, even though I'm not going to scream at you. I think his selection of Baker Mayfield's backup quarterback could be a very interesting teaching tool, and I'm mm. wondering what you would think of the idea. More trouble than it's worth, or... Good, savvy move if Kevin Stefanski gets Case Keenum as the Browns' backup quarterback. Brings a guy in who he's coached to a really yeah. great season in Minnesota. Was it two years ago? Three yeah. years ago? Three no, years 17. Ago.
1: Yeah.
0: And, you know, and nobody ago. thinks Case Keenum's coming to Cleveland to be the starter, but you know what? If you throw in a bunch of interceptions, we're not afraid to put this There's,
1: guy in. Uh, one person that would think that Case Keenum's coming to Cleveland to be the starter. That would be Baker Mayfield. That would be Case Keenum. Oh, really? Uh, there would be two then. Because uh, Baker I would have, be like, I have, oh, what's this? I have uh, the privilege of, I love Case Keenum as a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I said currently, because I've also made a statement about Colin Kaepernick, but currently Case Keenum is the perfect backup. Yeah. And I, I don't think the
0: Redskins want him around anymore. It's I'm Haskins' a, deal.
1: Uh, I I think he's very good for Dwayne Haskins. Actually, I really do. Now they, they still have, have little Colt. They have Colt McCoy they there, have, and they, have they don't Alex Smith. King. Alex Smith still Alex Smith. wants to play. Uh, I don't know. Well, if he Wash washing great backup quarterbacks. So uh, with Case, with Case, I'm talking about is that he does produce when he gets in there. Yes, he He's does. a guy that you can live with for three or four games, but Case has a starters mentality. He's also the rare guy that I was watching in practice that he was helping in promoting and encouraging and and teaching Dwayne Haskins. So, and Case has had success in this league. So do you like he, my idea or not? Yes, I love the idea because I think it would make Baker better because Case is that guy that will push people because Case has the mentality that I'm better than anybody in this world, but he doesn't punch down at anybody. It's interesting when when uh um I was doing a Redskins game in one of the Quarterbacks, I forget if it was uh it was Case or if it was Dwayne. Somebody was it was Dwayne struggled the first half, Case Keenum came out with his helmet on like he was going to start the second half, and he didn't. But that's his mentality, do yep. you understand? I'm ready, so, Coach. Put me I in don't coach. think that's – I think you surround yourself with the best players possible, and we know, as we've seen, how important a backup quarterback is, especially one that's had some success in this league and familiarity with Kevin Stefanski and what he wants to do offensively. But the biggest thing out of this, and this was without hesitation – his mindset is running the ball, man. It is about running the ball. So I don't know happy how happy OBJ and Landry are going to be about that. If they're going to be handing out cash to college players, maybe they won't get the bonuses because of the receptions. What what what, what was that about? I we'll get there. Okay. Oh, cow. All right. Anyway, so that's and now the next move is the GM. Uh, George Payton's name has been an, uh, out there. Minnesota
0: Vikings. Uh, so, your brother thinks highly of George. He's well,
1: been... here's George. Okay, and this—I think George has the perfect mentality of uh, what the Browns need. Okay, because he is flatliner. His best quality, besides the—he's uh, an excellent talent evaluator from from my understanding. That's not only from Rick, but that's from independent guys around the league look at their roster and i said pretty good i i asked rick i said what's one thing that george does now george has been finalist for many gm jobs he's actually turned i think two of them down Mm. i said what's the one thing that george can do or something you can say about george that people might might not build or not might not know about him or and rick said he's a great bridge builder Right. So, oh boy, there you go. That's great quality. you, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. So I mean, when you have all these for, through Deep Podesta, then you have the head coach. I don't. I still don't understand what Paul does. I really don't understand. I, I can chief strategy. Officer. First of all, for for a quarter of the salary. I can make sure a team stays on the message. Yes, I can do that. I can make sure that yeah, we're not drafting that guy because you said you didn't want this. a You said you didn't want this quality. I, I just I can do that job and and for a quarter of the money you live a lot closer to Cleveland. Yeah, and DBS. by the way, I can be there three days a week. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what you're doing, wasting your time with that, Jimmy. But anyway, but if there's a rift between ownership, coaches, know, front office, and whatever that Podesta's office is I have no idea he's never there but if there's a you know he can he can bring everybody together and he's got good leadership quality so and he has a comfort level with with Kevin so I think it makes sense I don't think Rick wants to wants George to leave I think he'll try to keep him I would I don't know now he didn't tell me this but I think he would try to keep him because he's done that before over the years so how do you is that just money or I think the job has to fit yeah, I mean George has to be comfortable with sure. that job, and I got a news for you. You might not know this. I'm not sure that the Browns have the best reputation as a well-oiled run machine around the NFL. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. And, I don't know <laughs> and why you go. I mean, I was reading an article uh, today. <laughs> I forget where it was, but I was just reading it before I came over here. And you know what the last word was? Dysfunction. Dysfunction? What? That was the (laughs) The last word. Cleveland Browns? That was the last word of of the article. I think it was the article on Pro Football Talk about uh, Podesta, and the last word of the article was dysfunction. Mm. Are you shocked? I certainly am, yes. (laughs) So Um, anyway, I think it would be a good team. I I do too. From my point of view, I think it would be a great team. My belief
0: in this being the proper course will... Increase significantly if George Payton is the GM, not Andrew Barry. And I say that out of no malice
1: toward I don't know Andrew what, Barry, yeah.
0: except that Andrew Barry was formerly in Cleveland. He was part of the Sashi Brown, you know, Harvard genius thing. And Stefanski's a Harvard guy, went to Penn. De Podesta went to, he's got a Harvard. Yeah, he went to Harvard. Barry went to Harvard. I have nothing against uh Every Ivy League. League when it comes to football, um, but Jimmy Haslam has been um, silly in arranging marriages between, well, this guy's smart and this guy's smart, and two smart guys together makes a double smart guy. No, often smart people have their own way of doing it, and they haven't worked together. So his arranged marriages on GMs and coaches have not worked in the past, and he promised he would not do that, and Andrew Barry, to me, is a – arranged marriage. George Payton and Kevin Stefanski is not an arranged marriage. And it would also tell me that they're telling the truth when they say Kevin Stefanski will have strong input in the hire, more so than Paul D. Podesta. Because if it's Andrew Barry, you can't make me believe that Kevin Stefanski wants Andrew Barry more than Paul D. Podesta wants Andrew Barry. So it would be a check and balance on Paul D. Podesta's power. It would be a belief in Kevin Stefanski. It would be alignment, which is what Hadlam said. So if you want me to buy into this more, I'll I'll give it a chance, but if yeah. you want me to buy into it more, George Payton ends up in Cleveland, not Andrew Berry.
1: Yeah. And look, I, I think I think it's a good job. I think it's a I think it was a good, attractive coaching job because of the talent. And do you yes. have enough belief in yourself that you can handle the egos? That's what I think separates a great head coach from from an average or a good NFL coach, because there's no really bad coaches in the NFL, in my opinion. They're all pretty smart, bright guys, and they know what they're doing, is the ability to handle egos. in this team, I mean, I'm telling you, offensively, yes, they there, there needs to be improvement on the offensive line. About 25 other teams need improvement on the offensive line. But when you're talking about a core base, a young, ta- young, talented quarterback with potential, a running game, Bruce. I mean, look, if we've learned anything throughout the NFL playoffs, even the Green Bay Packers or even the Chiefs with Damian Williams, or when you have a strong running game, that gives you a chance. Yes, it does. And when you have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, I mean, those guys, that's how you win the game. Yeah, that's and they how- got pieces up front. I mean, Treders not a terrible
0: center, and Petonio's a Pro Bowl guard, and, mm. you know, they, they've got to upgrade. The offensive line, some, offensive lines. but some of that's uh, strategy and scheme yeah. too. So we'll see. Um, so we stand by, and we hope that uh, hope that works out. And um, we have an important thing we need to do today before we get to the national championship game in the Buckeye basketball team. We have been giving you all an opportunity to win a couple's membership for two wow. to premiere at Salmo Athletic Club for 2020. And so we are going to draw from our email entries. We put in, we've placed uh, all the uh, email entries. On uh, business cards, they're yep. in this bowl. Mr. Spielman's going to draw one out, and I'm going to tell you who the winner is, and then we'll contact. We we'll probably draw a backup too, just in case. Um, All right, this is the winner. You got two there. I know. I All draw. Right. This okay. is the winner. The winner is Martin Devita. Martin Devita, there you go. Let's see, Martin Devita. He entered on uh, twelve nineteen. So Martin, congratulations! And I know Martin is going to want this badly because he emailed me that he was having trouble entering. So I don't think we're going to need a backup. But if you want to okay. give me, you want to do the backup or not? No, just keep it. we we'll keep, yeah, keep, uh, keep. I'll keep, it keep him here. right on top. Right on top, yeah,
1: just in case, Martin. There you
0: go. First name on the backup is Nick, but congratulations to Martin DeVita. Premier at Sawmill is on uh, Hayden Run, I guess it is. It's Bethel. It's the extension yeah. of Bethel there between Sawmill and uh, the river. And uh, it's an awesome club. We thank Jim Miller and Regan Coy Vistu and Martin and uh, his uh, wife are really going to enjoy it. And uh, if you are looking for a health club, uh, for instance, our uh, pastor at Northwest Chapel, I know his wife likes to work out. they got four little ones. Well, Premier at Sawmill has two That's hours nice. free child care.
1: That's a luxury.
0: Four little ones. And they're sweethearts, too. My daughter babysits for them. Nice. So. Does it yes. we pay well? Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, it does. They're very generous. Yeah, okay, good. Excellent. Did your girls babysit a lot?
1: Uh, uh, what? Only one had the mentality to babysit. My youngest, Audrey. Audrey, really? And, and my oldest stepdaughter, Kendra. They, they're good babysitters. The other ones don't have the... Uh, the the patients. Patients. <laughs> I didn't know how to say it, but yeah, yeah they don't have patience to babysit. All right,
0: cool. Well, congrats, Martin, and thank you, Jim, and thank you, Regan, and uh, make sure you uh, include Premier at Sawmill Athletic Club in your fitness plans for the coming year. Okay, national championship game, LSU, was it, 42-25? Yeah. Um, The legend of Joe Burrow grows. I mean, man, there was a movie. What was the movie? Uh, Gavin Gray, Everybody's All-American. Everybody's
1: All-American starring Dennis Quaid, Gavin Gray, the gray ghost, also starring Jessica Lange. Yes. As the love interest. As the
0: love interest. And John Goodman was in that, I think, too. But i yeah. I'll tell you what, the Joe Burrow story is for the silver screen. <laughs> I, I likened it to uh, there was a musical in the old, old, old days called Damn Yankees, where there's like this old guy who's a Washington Senators fan, and he makes a deal with the devil to come back as a young, outstanding star baseball player for the Washington Senators, and the Senators win the pennant, and Joe Hardy was his name. Joe Burrow is Joe Hardy. It's like, he was okay last year. He's had a season unlike any NCAA quarterback ever. He's thrown more touchdown passes than Colt Brennan, which everybody looked at that as a gimmicky offense. Nobody looks at SEC football as a gimmicky no. offense. 60 touchdown passes. Six interceptions.
1: Well, Joe had over 500 yards and five touchdowns in a national championship game. So Total offense. Yeah, yes. He
0: threw for under 500, but he ran for, oh, I don't know, 50, yeah. 50 plus
1: what whatever it threw for yeah it was over 500 it threw for over 400 yards yeah I well thought. over 400 and i'm Five i'm just touched. thinking he would have threw for 600 yards if he didn't have all the drops that he had mm. uh i mean some guy i mean he there's two touchdowns that okay. i that i counted that were dropped look i I, th- I was not all about joe burrow then i became all about joe burrow because the more he played the better he got and mm his pocket presence, and his awareness. And I think the biggest area of improvement for Joe Burrow, at least from my limited observations, but one that is is not uneducated, is, has been his accuracy. I mean, where he's putting some of these footballs has been remarkable.
0: He drops it in.
1: Drops it in a bucket, well, they like to say.
0: I mean, you know, A.J. Terrell got toasted a few times the other night, but there were a couple times he had coverage. really good coverage, and it's just – it's just dropping out of the sky. There's nothing he can do about
1: it. And so I think, hopefully, I, I would actually talked to Todd McShay from ESPN, who's their NFL draft expert guy and does a great job of breaking it down. And, I I mean, he was raving about Joe, and, and Todd doesn't rave about anybody. I mean, there's not anybody close right now. I mean, Tua can probably, mm-hmm. a healthy Tua Valoa could make a run at it, but to me... I mean, it's such an easy pick for the Bengals. and Absolutely. I mean, what's Athens, an hour and a half away from Cincinnati? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything is lining up for the Bengals and the way he's played. But the other thing is – How about culture changer?
0: Like LSU, a lot of talent underachieving. I mean, you want a culture changer, an intangible guy? Uh,
1: yeah, you get all that. But there's Cincinnati, his culture is not changing for anybody.
0: I mean, in the locker room. And, I think Joe Burrow can be he, – he's – would you say he has exhibited on the college level, and this is important, Yes. some more leadership, more dynamic leadership skills than Andy Dalton um, has demonstrated I, on I the don't,
1: level? I don't know that because I think that Andy Dalton was in a, a really, really good leader. In fact, I know he was a really good leader, but I think that it's time for a change of guard, and Joe Burrow is that guy. He's the perfect guy for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think it's uh it's been fun to watch. It's fun to watch um a good guy, uh, a guy that things didn't go well for three years while he was here at Ohio State, and meaning that going well on the field, not not his right. experience at Ohio State. Right. Just he didn't get his opportunity, and for the the way he was able to play and get better throughout the year. And the success that he's had is something that uh, is a lesson for everybody to, to learn from, about hang in there and persevere and be patient. You don't know when your payoff's coming. Uh, he believed in himself. His dad believed in him. As we mentioned, his dad bet two grand on him to win the Heisman. Joe was 201 one. His dad walked away with $400,000. I mean, it's just been a great year. Then the impact that he's had on the food banks in Athens and— and uh, he does have a certain look about him. He has that presence. He does. About he's a legend. Him. And it's Joe is is uh, going to be a, a legend in I know many buckeyes claim him. I claimed him and uh, because he's a Buckeye, but I'm telling you, Bruce, at LSU, you want and the Buckeyes have a passionate fan base. But I can promise you at the minimum, LSU's football p- fan base at a minimum, is <laughs> right up there with Ohio State. At a minimum, yeah, and it's it's great. It's it's a cool story, and I, I dabble. I thought Dabble handled the loss great, and I was a little disappointed in Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, he didn't have a good game, and you know, I'm not. I was. I'm not sold on him yet. Uh, hopefully, he'll improve. I don't think he throws the ball well enough or accurately you enough. You said
0: that last couple weeks ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. and uh, that came to fruition in in the the game. Uh, Against LSU, LSU had some athletes. I think that clearly the two best teams were Ohio State and LSU, but I would have to give an edge to LSU. I was so impressed with how they played, and it all stems from from Burrow, but defensively they got some guys too, man. Do they they have some guys everywhere?
0: I thought Ohio State might have scored a few more points. They wouldn't have
1: given up 500 yards of offense to a quarterback. I, I know that for a fact.
0: I don't. Based I do. on what I saw at the end of the year on the defensive side, well, not, I can't all, say that. First of all,
1: they wouldn't have been playing number one man-to-man the whole game after you continually get beat yeah. man-to-man. Nothing against the kid. I like you said, Okuda, there was decent coverage. Yeah.
0: I do think Okuda wins some of those 50-50 balls and knocks them away, but I think they'd have found Damon Arnett with Chase or Jefferson, and it would not have
1: been pretty. I, I'm not, I'm not going to agree with that. At all, because I just Just don't, a sheer size mismatch. I just, again, I think Damon Arnett has helped himself and has made himself yes. an NFL corner. So I'm not going to disagree or agree with that because I don't know. The other kid that I was really impressed with in that uh, national championship game was ETN. I mean, I love that kid. And He's 22. And 22. I Like 22? Four. Uh, LSU. Up. The running back.
0: Oh, uh, Clyde edwards and Wait, wait year is he you know I don't know I don't know but I'm I'm drafting that guy I am Josh I'm not I'm not Josh Jacobs he's small
1: small, but I'm telling you right now I'm not drafting him in the first round or the second round but if he's a third if he's in in the third round I would take that guy in a heartbeat like I would be standing up and saying I don't care what our analytics say I don't care what Paul D. Potesta and our mission is I'm taking that guy yeah because that guy does all the little things. And there's hidden yards that that guy saves for his football team. is just amazing and fun to watch. And congratulations to Ed Orgeron. I mean, we have fun with him and all that. Yeah. But he's done a tremendous job of, of embracing LSU. And I read an article on Ed Orgeron, too. And this is something that was very encouraging to me. Because in the big business of college football, and we can agree that it's a big business, Mm-hmm. Uh, a writer, I forget who wrote it, so I'm not disqualifying and get, or trying to give not give him credit, but it's uh, it's you can argue that Ed Orgeron cares more about his players than any coach in the country. Personally, cares more and invest in these guys. Now I know most of them do, mm-hmm. but he said this guy goes above and beyond. It was it was just a great story about college football, and LSU is a great story, and it's a great team. And unfortunately, it was diminished a little bit. I don't care about the cigar smoking. A lot of those guys are, you know, 22, 23, grown mad. I don't think it's a good look, but it doesn't really bother me. But the money thing on the sidelines was just... Odell Beckham. It's just, what, what, why?
0: Out there an why? LSU guy is peeling out what appeared to be cash... And
1: LSU said it was fake money. Fake which, money,
0: which I, come on, okay, maybe to LSU players who've exhausted their eligibility, handing them cash on the field after the game. Um, uh, Odell Beckham. I got to wait.
1: I got to say this. Then you can go. Yeah. I don't know if this is, if indeed true. If true, but this is firsthand sourcing. Okay. Odell Beckham didn't spend one second watching the game. The only thing he was concerned with was to be seen.
0: I was going to say, Odell Beckham, who whenever he ends up in the news for helmet shield, shoes, and all that, pleads, well, it's just, you know, you guys just make a big deal out of everything I do. Like, he's some shrinking violet who just wants to play football and not be noticed. Is the ultimate one, two, three, look at me guy. He's out there first of all, he's no business being out there on the field. It's not your night. You didn't win a championship at LSU. No, you gotta be twenty one or nothing. Get, I, get I, out of there. Like you wanna sit in the stands and watch your team play great. Suite. I think he could yeah, be he on he the sidelines. I think he could be on the sidelines. He's lines, drawing but... attention to himself purposefully. So every yeah, time I, he talks about, Oh, oh, I just do my thing and you guys follow me everywhere. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well then don't have a big what what his car was all like a, a bright yellow <laughs> range rover. Oh yeah, of course no. You don't want anybody to notice you huh. So, I mean, come on. That's, well, that's a bad look.
1: I think guys can, like former players, I think it's cool that they're on the sidelines. But when the game's over or when the moment, let those guys live in that moment. Let them have their moment. Exactly. I know they might think it's cool that OBJ is handing me cash because it is. I just You let can those, hand cash in the bowels of the but stadium. But you have to take the responsibility of letting those players have the moment, of course they're going to be starstruck with OBJ coming down and handing them cash. Yeah, I mean, he if, did
0: what uh, LeBron did for the uh, Buckeyes. He OBJ bought them all Beats headphones yeah, we'll come for on Okay, yeah, great, nice, very yeah, nice.
1: Well, come up with your own idea. Yeah, you know, and and it, that's the other thing too. Like if I'm Stefanski, I know it doesn't seem like a big deal, but I'm thinking to myself, man, what's he doing? Why? Why why do we need that?
0: Here would be something Paul D. Podesta could do um, going forward. Would this fall under
1: his job title?
0: I don't know. I think anything he wants to fall (laughs) under his job title falls under his job title. I would be in favor of you get to a point where your commitment to the Browns way of doing things is such that if you have a guy who you need to be a great player because you're paying him to be a great player and he's demonstrated he can be a great player, if he's not fully invested, get rid of him. Get rid of him and find somebody who will be fully invested. Can you, I,
1: can you call D Haslam and and say that, hey, fire D Podesta, Spielman will do that for a quarter of the money?
0: I can perhaps get that message through.
1: <laughs> I can say, hey, we're not staying on message. The last
0: time I chatted with Mrs. Haslam, it was very pleasant. The two times I've chatted with her are nice. very pleasant. She's a very pleasant and a very, very smart lady. Okay. Very
1: smart lady. Good. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, uh, you're fine. I wanted to um, bring something else up off the champion. Oh, here is what I think. Uh, first of all, with Ed Orgeron, the Joe Burrow story has gotten so much play, understandably so, that I think it's eclipsed. Well, it has eclipsed, but it's uh, kept us from recognizing what a great story the Ed Orgeron story is. A guy who he's a he's a true Cajun. We joke about how he was a you know a beach guy at USC. But he's a chameleon. He is what he needs to be anywhere to be a great recruiter. Most and great coaches coach. are, and so. But he he's born in Louisiana, played at Southwest Louisiana, grew up dreaming of being a coach at LSU. Loves LSU. So this is a cool story for Orgeron. I I don't know. It's a great story. I think to me it's a. If I had to bet, I would bet it's a one-year wonder story. Uh, because now not only is Joe uh, Burrow leaving, but Joe Brady's leaving, the passing game guru Mm -hmm. from the Saints. He's headed to the Carolina Panthers, Panthers. and I advised a friend of Matt Rule's last night. I said, if anybody uh, offers Matt Rule a free airboat ride in the bayou, don't take it (laughs) (laughs) because he ain't coming back. Uh, They're not going to be happy about that, and the Panthers have to play at the Saints next year. I looked that up. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Rule. Don't take any free airboat rides, Matt Rule. Here's what... Could be on the horizon with Joe Burrow as a Cincinnati Bengal. You mentioned the cigar smoking, and look, Joe Burrow, it's been interesting. As I listened the other night, I was driving from a, a party of, some, of a men's group at church home to watch the second half. And I heard, by the way, McDonough and Blackledge are just so good on the radio. They're so good on TV. Yeah. And Todd Blackledge has made comments before this season where he's like, eh, Joe Burrow, he doesn't suffer for lack of confidence. Like, Todd gets it noticed, notes that Joe is a very self assured young man. He should be. He's talented.
1: I want my quarterback that way, Absolutely. by the way.
0: Joe but Burrow, not in a
1: Baker Mayfield way.
0: Joe Burrow to the Bengals. Here's what I didn't, here's the thing I hated that Joe Burrow did the other night. Pointing to the ring finger when he came off the field after throwing the touchdown. it's up three scores. I hated that. But the first thing I thought was, oh boy, we might be in finally for a delicious rekindling of the Battle of Ohio. Oh, yeah. With Joe Burrow in Cincinnati and Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. It is conceivable that both franchises have their franchise quarterback for the next decade or more. That's a good point. And neither one of them is a back-down, quiet, (laughs) suffer-quietly kind of guy. Both are self-assured, cocky, talented, peacock-type quarterbacks. Now, will their coaches in the NFL, Zach Taylor and Kevin Stefanski, coach it out of them or temper it? Maybe. But... This We could be on the cusp of, it's never going to measure up to when Paul Brown owned the Bengals and Art Modell was in Cleveland and Art had fired Paul Brown. But we might have two really good quarterbacks, which brings a certain level of competitiveness in a division. Cleveland and Cincinnati, two cities that have zero respect for each other. And two quarterbacks that I don't think are going to be shy about taking little shots or even outright shots at each other. That's what we could be on the cusp of with Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, which is which is really cool. Because I grew up you know in that what? era where those two teams hated each other, and it was fun when they played each other.
1: It's amazing the where your mind goes. Yeah, I, just, I think the rivalry could really be something. Like now. that's the last thing I would think about. But that's as a media guy, I can see where that is attractive to you.
0: Well, I just remember as a kid, I loved the Browns and hated the Bengals, yeah. and I. I used to view the Browns Bengals game like I viewed the Ohio State Michigan really? game. Now it's just uh, one team. They're both usually both terrible. I'll tell you, Sam
1: White did a uh, yes, cool thing because he, he was a yeah, Paul Brown guy. When you he know? when he hit that, yes. <laughs> you live in Cincinnati. But that non-club. was like,
0: what was that like the nineties or something? Yeah. In early nineties. It's been. Twenty almost thirty years yeah, since it's I been know. any juice.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm not gonna argue with you. Plus the, you know, you have Lamar Jackson in that division and hopefully the return of Big Ben. We'll see how that plays out. And I look, I, I I would only disagree with you. I wouldn't say cocky, I would say both guys are extremely confident. I think my definition of cocky is that you have to tell everybody how good you are and you have not had any success to back it up. Well, both Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow certainly have had some success. I do think Joe is in for a a learning experience. Like every single rookie quarterback that's ever played the game. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be some uh, bumps and there's going to be valleys. And I think Joe is capable, because of how he got where he got to, is capable of handling those valleys. And he does not have that giant block on his shoulder like Baker Mayfield and I don't think Joe gets as emotional as Baker Mayfield and I the more I see it and the more I watch it and the more I evaluate it as a quarterback you cannot be an emotional player it can't happen and I I just hope Baker sees that and 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 if I'm I'm not saying you don't get fired up or all that but the You know, the -the over-the-top windmill celebrations on a touchdown pass, right? I I see Aaron Rodgers give a fist pump and go give the guy five on the sidelines. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, if I were Kevin, I would say, let's look at the great ones. The guys that, you know, you want to be or have the success that they have. And let's look at their mentality. Everybody knows you have the arm talent. Baker's a smart football guy. He sees it. He gets it. And so, if he can just embrace, man, I just would love to talk to him and and just get his mindset. I know that, you know, he probably doesn't even know who I am or even cares who I am. I would just say, listen, just look at successful people and what do they all have in common, and embrace what they have in common.
0: Focus. That's one one of the first things they have
1: in common. Well, that They're focused and, on the task. Yeah, and but that, but man, like Brady and all those guys, yeah, they get fired up and they'll. Say hey run the route at at, yeah. at 14 yards not 12 yards right, right that's where the ball's going to be yeah i mean that's fine but it's just that the the constant uh, everybody's picking on me and i'll fight you i'll fight you right now yeah. okay you know i mean come and then on then his
0: wife's fighting people on twitter and social media it's crazy that's another thing yeah
1: so yeah. anyway yeah. all right I, i'm excited though i'm yeah. excited
0: all right great keep growing the kevin Stefanski beard
1: no, I'm, it's coming off. Okay. Here. I got to go to a Walter Camp thing this weekend in Connecticut. So,
0: Oh, what's that about? Is that because you're number 143? No, this is a
1: different thing. It's an uh, all-time linebacker team. Or, nice. So.
0: Uh, by the way, Archie Griffin ended up fourth on the— uh, I know you're bitter about that. I am bitter about it because when you have two Heismans, I'm just saying, running- how can you not be number one? How can Jim Brown be number one? in the Me Too era from ESPN. I mean, I I just don't get it. I don't get it. And uh, I I wrote for SI.com that Archie, instead of having two Heismans, he needed to play two sports because the three guys ahead of him were Jim Brown, lacrosse All-American and great football player, Bo Jackson, two-sport pro athlete, (laughs) and Herschel Walker, football and U.S. bobsled team. So if Archie had played two sports, maybe ESPN – their blue ribbon I mean Archie, I mean that's
1: one. you know that's why that thing is so subjective and it's it's it was cool and I think they did a good job of promoting it and by the way people were talking about it so yeah good for Archie and he was the only, he was the only other buckeye in and there. of course so high
0: state ends up with 7 of the top 125 it's pretty good I don't know if anybody else 150. had 157 top so top, one. top 150 yeah I don't know if anybody else had 7 or not but that's uh that's pretty good. All right. Uh, Stover Farms Custom meats.
1: 143rd is embarrassing.
0: 143rd is not embarrassing. Not when the odds of getting <laughs> sorry, on there are 35,000 to one. No, that's an honor. I'd rather it's the lottery you to be 143rd. <laughs> Don't punch down, Baker. <laughs> uh, speaking of. Uh, You're first going of all, to do Stover Carbon. I'm going to do Stover, right. but then we're going to go back to an OSU linebacker because that's the reason I've been turning away from you frequently this yes, morning. Yes, I see that. Um, Stover Farms Custom Meats, 4,000 Presidential Parkway. Speaking of linebackers, Cade Stover, Buckeye Linebacker Defensive End. His dad and mom, uh, Chelsea and Trevor, they operate Stover Farms Custom Meats. They operate Stover Farms, and they're uh, certified Angus beef on Stover Farms up in the uh, Lexington-Mansfield area. That's what you get when they uh, process a side of beef every week, bring it down to their retail store at 4,000 Presidential Parkway in Powell. Great steaks, uh, chops, you name it, they've got it. They have pork and chicken. It's all uh, Non-GMO, hormone-free, great quality protein. If you watch that scary 60-minute story about how they're uh, juicing up protein and stuff now at these uh, massive farms, not a nice family farm like Stover Farms. So you get really quality stuff from Stover, and I've had it, and it's awesome, and the taste is off the chart from what you get just over the counter at your your normal uh, grocery store. So, uh, Stover Farms Custom Meats, 4,000 Presidential Parkway in Powell, and they're open Thursday, Friday, Saturday from about 10 to 5, and uh, mention the Spielman-Hooley podcast that you're a listener, and they'll give you a special discount. Okay, Randy Gratishar is one of 20 finalists in the uh, centennial class of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Randy Gratishar, former Buckeye linebacker, a tremendous Buckeye linebacker for Woody Hayes in the 1970s, a tremendous linebacker in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. I talked to Randy last night. Good. um, And I wished him well. I know him a little bit from a book signing that we did together a few uh, years ago, maybe 18 years ago. (laughs) Um,
1: It's hard to believe it. Yeah,
0: it is. Um, And he said, you know, I just, I'm on pins and needles and, I'd just be so thrilled if I got in. He says, I got a 50-50 shot. I don't know. I looked at the list of guys, and it's all going to hinge on how much they want to honor people from an era of the NFL that none of us remember. Guys like Max Speedy with the Cleveland Browns, and I'm sure all these guys were great. Cliff Harris is on there. Drew Pearson is on there. Randy Gratishar is on there. A couple other guys that I remembered. But, you know, as I looked at the list, I thought, I'm guessing Randy's going to be, if vote total's going to be probably 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. So it's going to be, you know, somewhere in guys they let in. guys well, are letting in? They're letting 10 of 20 in. Yeah, the Hall of Fame this year is a little interesting. It's the 100th year of pro football. So they call this the centennial class. Okay. And they're doing it differently than they've done it in years past. In years past, the... All the pro football writers get together who are Hall of Fame voters. They get together at the Super Bowl. On the Saturday before the Super Bowl, they have a long extended meeting. They come out that night with you know, four, five, six inductees. This year, we've had some names leaking out. Last weekend, great television when both Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson mm-hmm. uh, received word uh, from David Baker, the president of the Hall of Fame, which, by the way, i got to say to Mike Florio, he had the funniest tweet of the weekend. Okay. <laughs>
1: Did you see it? Is it is David he, Baker? He, yeah, coming yeah, for the yeah. Hall of Fame or coming for a getting, hit? A, yeah, <laughs> so David whacked. Baker
0: is this huge man, and he comes out and he's talking, you know, to Cower and Jimmy Johnson, and I think they both they think they know what's coming, but they don't want to like get their hopes up that they're going to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. They had a list of like six coaches, and they were going to name two coaches. So. David Baker, this gigantic man, comes out and he talks about their contributions to the game, and then he welcomes them to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, Florio tweeted, "When David Baker shows up, you're either getting in the Hall of Fame or you're getting whacked." <laughs> Pretty,
1: yeah, because he he's he, a big man. He looks he's like he's find him on a boat with Tony Soprano. He's six eight. Yeah, he does. That's what that's. The, he looks like a character from very nice man, uh, really uh, passionate guy. Was just up in Canton last week and it was over at the hall of fame and the expansion and what they're doing and hotels and the stadium. It was, uh, it's awesome. And David Baker's got a vision for that place. And it's, he's, he's the right man for that job. But look, I hope Randy gets in. I really do. I think it, uh, I think it means a lot to Randy Gratishar to, to get in. So just being a Buckeye and play the same position as Randy and certainly a guy that I admired along with Kuzno and Marcus Merrick and, many many others i hope that he uh he gets his dream um you know i from
0: champion ohio i always love the fact that randy gratis wasn't jack champion uh, ohio
1: champion ohio i don't know i think i think he was
0: so so good luck to randy i've been refreshing the good morning football page and obviously they said they were going to make the announcement at seven they're obviously not going to do that because then everybody would tune out so they're going to keep you hanging around probably until nine and as chris and i record this it's 7.55. 7.55. So, uh, we wish Randy the best on all that. Buckeye hoops last night. That's why Watched I was it all. at OSU. Uh, they suspend Dwayne Washington and Luther Muhammad from the game at 5 p.m. Uh, 90
1: minutes before tip. What's the reason for the suspension? Did you do any digging? I did digging. and, and I know you and, would have, yes.
0: And uh, it was, I questioned Chris Holtman. I said, did I not ask you the right question Monday? Had you made the decision Monday? He said, no, I hadn't made the decision Monday. I made it about 90 minutes before the game. He was thinking about it Monday. He said it was for an off-court, something off-court. You know, He's not going to suspend somebody because Dwayne Washington played bad at Indiana and Luther Muhammad's two for his last 18 on three-point shots. Uh, but he said it was for Sunday. They just didn't handle a situation off the court as well as he wanted them to, and so he suspended him. Now, I presume they'll be back for Saturday at Penn State if they don't have both those guys back. going to be a much 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 tougher game to win Um, but Holtman said last night look I what what if this cost you the game was essentially the thrust of the question and he said I don't coach for one game I'll never coach for one game if I ever have to put one lineup out on the floor to win one game I'm done that's it peace out I won't do it it's more important to me than that it's more important to the players than that, meaning that you know doing it the right way is more important to him than just you know compromising. We're not going to get into a situation where uh, Chris Holtman is Nick Nolte in Blue Chips. No, I don't know what Nick Nolte's name was in that movie, but you probably do since you know all the uh, <laughs> old. Uh...
1: No, he sold his soul though.
0: Yeah, so, so cool. I was. Then they got the win, which Nebraska is horrible. I didn't have any. How they beat
1: Purdue and how they beat Iowa is beyond me. No idea. Well, I, I sat there and watched it, and we had what uh, six guys in double figures. Six guys in double figures. Without C.J. Washington. Walker yeah. played really well. Yeah. I thought uh, D.J. played pretty good. Um, forty eight
0: minutes for Carton, only two turnovers. Man, yeah. we get that. Ohio state got well, a good. Oh yeah,
1: team. and uh, I thought Andre Wesson, like a senior, got off, hit three threes in a row to get them going. And uh, Kyle Young is really an important player to this team. I mean, just the the little things, the 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 kickouts to open threes uh the rebounding and, and then you get 10 points from Kyle which is a bonus so it was fun to watch and they played well and they played hard and and I think sometimes a suspension whatever the reason was uh galvanizes the team a little bit and uh nobody was I thought they played well they shot the ball well and they needed that, and I think it helps them going into Penn State on Saturday. So shout it was out fun up, to watch.
0: Shout-out to Upper Arlington Golden Bear Danny Hummer. I saw first Danny. First half minutes.
1: I actually texted Noah last night saying Danny got in on, in the first half. and uh, Shout-out to Mark Hummer, his dad. I'm sure yeah. he's a proud dad. Yeah. Judge Mark Hummer. Judge Mark Hummer. Mark yeah. Hummer
0: was my sports editor at the Ohio State Lantern when I was a wow. student. Good, guy. Yeah. Really he's a, good he's, guy. He's
1: passionate about basketball. So,
0: but did you see the most important thing that happened last night at the Ohio State men's basketball game? No, I didn't. You did not see the most important thing that happened last night. What's that? Yeah, I'm about to show you. Okay, I am. Maybe uh, I
1: did. Uh, I did turn it off in the second half. You did. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Well, this happened right after halftime, so you can't. Uh, How about
1: your boy Antonio Brown?
0: <laughs> I'm not familiar with.
1: Uh, oh, he's movie. going. He's. Uh, I feel bad for him. I really feel bad for him. I what don't did Antonio
0: know. Brown do? I have not. Uh, he had an
1: incident with a run in with the police and. Oh really? Shocker. One of his children's mothers, one of his child's mothers. I don't know that they're, they're. Oh, that's Lori's thing. She's a free agent. I yeah. thought that was no, Antonio that's Brown. Not,
0: that's not what. I don't know why this tweet's not showing up. What is it?
1: Tell me what it was, and I'll. And you
0: did not see the selfie that I took last night of myself and Jim Jackson.
1: Oh, I did see that. There yeah. we are. Yeah, yeah, There it is. JJ on the call with Brandon Godden. So
0: I'm I'm heading back to the uh, back at halftime to get a little diet coke, and uh, JJ comes in the hallways. Bruce and um, so I said, "Okay, we're going to do this selfie." Wow,
1: you're one of those I, guys. I, I, so I stepped over the line. It That's is so totally unprofessional. unprofessional.
0: Totally unprofessional, and you can tell I'm you know what? overcome with emotion because that's like the cheesiest grin I've ever had in my life. First there. of all, great Jim Jackson on Twitter at Jim Jackson four one one
1: of, of my
0: favorite Buckeyes all time. You're, you're not on the court because he, because as I said the other day about Eddie, yeah, same guy walking out that he was <laughs> yeah. walking in. Eddie George, Heisman Trophy winner, Jim Jackson, National Player of the Year, never got too big for their britches. Those are the people you appreciate at any in any walk of life.
1: You're like that reporter that asked for Kyle Rudolph's gl- gloves and sold them. No. Like per-
0: I'm not like that. Come yes, on, man. That- That's unfair. I wouldn't do I'm not selling Jim Jackson's tie. If I, Jim Jackson gave I'm me his so, tie, I would frame it and you know probably all, worship it. I know, I'm, I'm, kidding. So- <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, of course.
1: I'm, I, I'm
0: not about I, the framing. I would do I
1: want to believe you. I do. I, I just can't believe that you have lowered your professionalism. I, I mean, Jimmy could Jackson. you imagine? Could you imagine? Just, yeah, I'm being violation. This is a clear 30, violation. 30, like, if you would go back to and show your second year on the beat, whatever oh. it was, and you showed yourself this is the future you know Bruce Hooley. What would the, what would that Bruce Hooley say to this Bruce Hooley? I'll tell you exactly what that
0: Bruce Hooley would say. He's <laughs> gonna say something that you have said many times. I've become the player I despise. That's
1: that's heartwarming, isn't it? It's humbling, isn't it? Fanboy, Bruce I, Hooley. I well that's the extent of my you, fanboyness. You know what? At least you dimed yourself out, so that's oh, good. Oh, it's, it's an egregious violation. <laughs> an egregious is an understatement, uh, an by understatement. the way. An understatement.
0: I should have my press card yanked <laughs> for that. That's cool, though. But Jimmy's yeah, a great Jimmy's guy. such a He does a good a job, guy. too, on TV. Oh, yeah, he's really he good. He does a great job. I and mean, I'm telling you what, this dude, not an ounce of fat on him. He could go out there and give you, like, 20 minutes right now. How many teams did he play for in the oh, NBA? I don't know. I'm going to guess 10. <laughs> but here's... I met Jim Jackson the first time when he was a junior at Toledo Macomber High School. I went over to the five-star camp in Pittsburgh because I knew Ohio State just had to have him. Gary Williams had to have him. Jim Jackson was LeBron James of his day. And I went over and I met him. In those days, you could actually talk to athletes and get close to him. And Howie Garfinkel's like, yeah, he's over there in the cafeteria. I walk up. At the kid's biceps yeah. <laughs> were like, holy smokes. What a smokes. tight end he would have made. And from that moment forward, he remembered my name. And I don't mean like, hey, look at me. Yeah. I just remember that's the kind of guy he was. He got to Ohio State, first time he ever saw me his freshman year. Hey, hey, Bruce, right? Yeah. I was like, holy cow. After he got out, he, I'd see him at the gym periodically, mm-hmm. always friendly. I, ran, I knew one time he was playing in Phoenix, so I went, got a credential from the Suns, showed up at shoot-around. Couldn't have been nicer. I mean, he's just a class yeah. act. Class act all the way.
1: You're a great Buckeye. I'll I mean, he it. and Clark Kellogg, obviously Hal will Check in that era. Yeah. But but from my, you know, Clark, when I was in high school, used to watch the Buck or Clark's a little older than me, but it used to. I remember my brother and I used to watch the Buckeyes on channel forty three up in Cleveland. It was <laughs> before the cable, you know, yeah. and they had the w- Buckeyes. W U A B. Carter Scott remember Carter yes. Scott from Barberton Aberton Magic yeah so we used to watch Buckeyes and then when Clark got there that was such a big deal and and then of course in the 90s was it the late 90s for Jimmy Jimmy no
0: it was early 90s 91 it, 92
1: yeah and I remember in the Silver Dome, I remember Jimmy Jackson I think was it the Elite Eight uh Sweet 16 against St. Yeah, John's yeah in the Silverdome pounded okay yeah. But anyway, it's a, it's great, and he's. Luke
0: Carnesecca put a clinic on Randy. Ayrton. I'll nice. give you
1: a. I'll give you a pass on your unprofessionalism. You.
0: professionalism. Thank you. <laughs> Deeply appreciated.
1: I of course would have been. Get away from me, loser! Yeah, I know you would.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he probably might have thought that, but he's too nice to say it. Okay, uh, I know we're past time here. So, uh, faith portion of the podcast. But humility is important. Jimmy Jackson had it. And when I think of the, B- the Buckeyes that I've covered who were just good people, Joe Germain, Bobby Hoying, Jay Burson, Jim Jackson, Scooney Penn, um, many, many others. But uh, those guys in particular, and I should say in all seriousness, this gentleman uh-huh. sitting next to me. Who Thank I, you, sir. Who I called when he was drafted in the NFL and <laughs> he had not gone in the first round and his mother said, I don't think now would be a good time to talk to him. Yeah, that wouldn't that's how our relationship began I was very uh it's mature. I was on edge. Then.
1: Yes, I was on edge. So I was thinking this morning um about hard work mm-hmm. and work ethic. And I know that many people that listen to us um are probably hard workers, right? They no doubt. they do everything that they can um for their family. They do everything, they maybe pull double shifts or do extra, I know that you do a lot of things extra to provide for your family. And I was thinking about, I came across this reading of, we're all designed, I think most of us are designed instinctively to work hard. Mm-hmm. Some of us are, some people are lazy, I get that. But for the most part, I think most men are designed to work hard, and women, but I'm speaking from our perspective right mm-hmm. now. hmm and this morning, I just wanted to encourage everybody that as hard as you work and as how important and a priority that you put on your work life, I think you need to put in the relationship that you want to have with God. So that takes work and it takes prayer. And there was a, a, a saint, I was reading about this saint, it's called Saint Anthony of the Desert. St. Anthony of the desert is a good example to follow in learning how to improve our prayer life. He believed that he needed to follow Christ in solitude. Now, I don't think you need to follow Christ in solitude, mm. but he, for him, felt that that was the best way and in quiet. And so he went in the desert, spent his life in prayer, penance, and contemplation. He did a lot of writing, teaching, and service to the poor. Basically, his life was lived in solitude and communication with God. I'm not saying that, but at least there's a recognition from Saint Anthony of the Desert that, hey, I if I got to get to God, and I'm not getting to Him, I got to find a way to get to Him, and this is the way that I'm going to get to Him. Right. So I just want to encourage everybody to find a way to get to God, and do what you have to do. I know uh, you're you're an inspiration for me because I know when I texted you this morning at six. I knew that you would be up because I knew this was your... I didn't want to interrupt your prayer time, but okay. I knew you would be able to respond and get back to your prayer time. And uh, I thought that was really cool. The other thing I want to encourage well, everybody that to, to, to keep that balance in your life of uh, not only prayerfully, spiritually, of course, and work and mentally. I mean, to work hard and, and to... Use all God's gifts, but I also want to encourage people, and this is a time of year to do it, to to get into a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you have to be a psycho like me and walk three hours on a treadmill during a playoff game. Or yesterday I rode 50 miles on a Peloton bike. I'm not saying. Wow. I don't. I don't. I'm not saying to go psychotic like that because I don't know why I do it. In fact, I working out. Is a an obsession? too much for me, and I'm trying to dial the. There's it's a, it's really an addiction problem that I have to working out because my hips are hurting, my yeah. knees are hurting, but I won't stop. So I really gotta. I'm seriously, prayerfully considering. Hey, be smart about working out. You know, you're not you're not playing anymore. And guess what? Your brother's not calling to sign you for a year to play linebacker in the NFL. Nor so is George Payton. Yeah, so you need to probably dial it down a little bit. But I, I'm really here to encourage people whether don't worry about what level you're at but even if it's just getting out and walking mm-hmm. or or making better choices in in dietary habits just to, to get healthy and to get balance in your life of physically, mentally and spiritually and you're gonna feel so much better and I just I just want you know I, I'm not judging anybody I'm encouraging you. To think about doing that. And in your prayer life, work just as hard at that as you do. That's my challenge. If I can work as hard at my spiritual life as I do my physical life and my mental life, because I, I like to consider myself educated and informed, I want to encourage everybody to get to that level. So good luck with that. And, and as always, please let us know if any of this helps or hurts. Yeah. So
0: please do. And uh, that's such great advice, man. A year ago at this time, Um, I devoted myself to, you know, after the zone folded, I thought, you know, there are two things I'm in control of. You know, I was not in control of my work future. I thought, hey, I'm a talented guy. I really love the company that I worked at. I thought, I'm going to be here a long time. Even if the zone doesn't work out, they're going to find a spot for me. Well, I found out differently. Um, But I thought, so what am I in control of? Well, I'm in control of what I eat. You know, I... You've done a great job, by the I, way, I, on that. I, I, I'm not a prisoner of war. I'm not forced to eat, you know, junky stuff. And the other thing I'm in control of is seeking God. No. You know, Chris talked about working hard at it. That's seeking. It's devoting yourself to it. And those two things have paid off for me in a huge way. Everything in my life is better except the financial situation. And would I pay for all the other things to be better? Would I, would I have willingly made that trade? Of course I would. When you find health physically and spiritually yeah man you can you can you're you're steeled for the rest of life yeah you really are and so uh we do want to thank i wish i had this gentleman's name or lady's name but i don't chris mentioned to let us know uh if this helps uh i'll re i'll read our review of the day um is the only uh name attached to it is i'm reviewing the situation he says, come for the football, stay for the testimony. Great guys, great analysis. I assumed I'd delete the faith-based component, but I was mistaken. Not a chance. I now text my son. Wow, from my daily devotional. Thanks, guys. We can't thank you enough
1: for I that. I just got goosebumps here, and I really did. That's awesome, man.
0: That's uh, look. We joke about you know the royalty checks here, and <laughs> and uh, and we'd love to have this be a financial uh, you know success, such that Chris could afford the gas to drive out yeah. here. <laughs> Uh so it's we're not we're, not we're money. We're not do this it show. is costing you money and you know we were very happy with the growth, but we'd love to have some sponsors. If you own a business and you yeah. want to sponsor the podcast, we'd love to do it. But honestly, uh, um
1: That's so cool. I can't
0: speak for you, I can speak for me. A the, the main benefits of this, because certainly not financial. Uh that's first and day. first and foremost, it holds me accountable. If I'm gonna get on here and talk about the things we talk about at the end of the podcast. I have to live to that. I can't be a hypocrite. And number two, it's not number two. It's just in tandem. It's 1A. Those so, those ki- That kind of feedback yeah. uh, is very, very enriching so to me and t- I, to you. And, and I now.
1: want to thank her or him for saying this because I got a, a personal experience that happened this morning. At um, 546... I got up at 5.30 at 5.46. I usually put on the news and try to catch up on the news. Not sports necessarily, just the news. Trying to catch up on what happened in the debates last night. What was the Mm -hmm. Trump rally like? What's going on with the impeachment? All that stuff. I just want... Because, again, it's part of informing and educating myself. But I didn't turn anything on today. Then Carrie comes into the kitchen. I'm in the kitchen. It's really dark. I actually scared her because I was sitting at the kitchen table. And... um. She says, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm really, I mean, I said prayers and sent out my, my text and devotional or whatever I do to family and friends. And I said, I'm really struggling with something on the, the faith portion of the podcast today that I want to talk about. And she said, I got a book for you. And so she ran and got this book, and that book uh, she brought, and that's where she opened this page to St. Anthony of the Desert, who I never heard of, but Mm -hmm. it just, after reading that, it just got me thinking that, all right, here's a guy that, you know, and I'm not saying this is way, but for him, what he had to do was go live in the desert. Well, that personal conviction,
0: the worth of being close to God. Yeah was worth the sacrifice of the other thing. And, and that's the way it is with any change in life. The pain of changing, you have to deem it worth where you're headed.
1: So, and so I was thinking, you know, how cool is that, that that person came for the football and stayed for the testimony is the title of, of the review. And I thought, well, I'm glad it made, it makes it worth it that I'm sitting there not stressing about it, but saying, what can I say today to hopefully make a difference? Yeah. And not only their lives, but also my life. Because you're right. There is a sense of accountability now. If we're going to get on this podcast and preach this stuff, better be living it. Amen. Amen. So thanks, everybody. Uh, We'll be back on uh, Friday with another
0: edition of the Spielman & Huli We Tackle Life podcast. Hopefully uh, fog-free for a safe trip out here to the country. Uh, Until then, have a great day, and God bless.